lifepodcasts.fm. This podcast is a Prime Media Broadcasting production. Time in the saddle. For cyclists, by cyclists. Time in the saddle. This is Time in the Saddle. I'm Ryan O'Connor, joined again by Jason Lint, as always. And uh, this week, we feature back again by popular demand. Uh, he's a busy man uh, on the roads at the moment. Dr. Darren Green, uh, of course, from MediClinic, the guys that uh, make sure that uh, they're actively involved in the events. We just had Cape Town Cycle Tour. Speaking of which, uh, well done to both of you, your various roles on the past weekend. Thank mm. you. It was very, very <laughs> difficult you. riding with an open seat on the back of the tandem. Now, yeah. A lot of people were expecting the winds to pump, and it did, it did, but not as expected. I mean, it, it has been worse, for sure. Hmm. Well, I, I, for, for the guys out there, I mean, they were expecting it to be quite, quite intense. And we were, yeah. we were looking at, like, hourly wind reports from the Friday night yeah. all the way through Saturday, you know, kind of stressing a lot about the overview of the event, whether we need a, yeah. a route shortage or not, and all that kind of thing. Out of interest, how does yeah. an event work like that? I think cyclists, you know, are often disappointed when they get the call or they get the notification to say an event's been called off. It's not taken lightly because of the amount of people involved. Safety is always a priority. We need to make sure that the cyclists uh, are, are safe first and foremost. And I remember Correct. not so long ago, in actual fact, Jason, we were promoting the event, Taltoria's um, uh, mountain bike event in Elgin, um, Elgin uh, last year, and it was cancelled because of the, 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 the rain. The rain had come through the Elgin Valley and it had caused uh, muddy, muddy conditions and they called it. And I remember that they had to get that, that message out as quick as possible. And I guess the same would be from the uh, command center uh, or the Vox center yep, uh, on, on Saturday. You guys would get together as a team yep. and discuss the way forward in case of it being called again because it has been called in the past. Yeah, and all the contingency plans, if this happens, then I mean, the scenarios, we actually have dry runs yep. uh, from the Friday already and Thursday where we play through different scenarios under real time. What are we going to do now? What are we going to do Sure. in terms of if we need to evacuate, if some happens naturally where there's lightning and thunder and the race needs to be stopped yeah and everyone's at holding points along the way what happens what do we do with them yeah then things like hypothermia and all that all come into the picture sure. so uh yes uh, so the voc the decision is made by uh, quite an extensive group of yes. people police metro etc disaster management right at the top uh, top of the list as well and then medical combined with the cycle tour directors and organizers so uh we sit and look at very specific plans around sure. the parameters are clear for some things in weather ailments and natural mm. disasters there are guidelines worldwide for cycling how how much wind can you actually handle on a bicycle yeah. in terms of those guidelines and uh, they aren't specific sure. specific yeah, figures the figures like 45 kilometers plus correct don't be on a bicycle and a southeaster versus a obviously a northeaster yeah. for example yeah. but chappies for example will have specific guidelines sure. that are safe and not safe for rock for rock spills and so on sure. if they say if it's above say 80 or 100 kilometers an hour yeah. you're not allowed to not use allowed. the road. you do detour Correct. Um, okay, so that's that. That was the weekend. Was it? A, was a good, successful weekend. So many people. And am I right in saying that? Because we can talk about it now. It's come and gone. We don't have to jinx it. But um, there were fewer incidents this year, medically speaking, than in previous years. We had a good. We had a fairly good. Good. Yeah. If I look tour. at the, if I look, I mean, obviously the the audited stats are. We are still busy with some of them. But in terms of looking at the end tent, for example. Yeah. Uh, I know last year we saw over 130 patients at the end. This year, I think there were under 100. Yeah. The nature of the injuries and what we look at, whether it's trauma-related, whether it's cramp-related, whether mm. it's uh, respiratory infection-related, those are the things that sure. come through. And those audits we'll, we'll, we'll put through and definitely pan through to you as well yeah, a bit later nice. on. But uh, the wind is something, obviously, that often makes people a lot tireder, quicker. Yeah. So we worry more about… Like, I'm a lick of I just am laughing the because… Direction. Going <laughs> up, going up <laughs> Where was it the worst? <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, 
Chappies was extremely silent. Nobody was talking. Nobody was laughing. Everybody had lost their sense of humor by the time I went through there. But going up Sekabosi, I saw this guy fall over into the bushes with his leg in like a firm locked stretch cramp and like oh. just you know you see those tears those dry tears just shoot out of their eyes <laughs> I mean it is a it is an amusing hill to climb from that point of view because I think people psychologically just psych themselves out yeah. over there absolutely yeah. do you know an interesting thing though on that note on Seiko Borsi's note is uh, I was watching and I chatted to Malcolm Lang on the weekend and Malcolm was doing it for the first time on a gravel bike uh, he was going to do and he, he's fair I don't know if you've seen Malcolm lately he is, looks like a machine I mean, he's in great nick phenomenal condition um, and uh, he, interestingly on social media said he was, it was all going well on the gravel bike up until Seiko Borsi. that is the hill that in, according to him on a gravel bike you mm. feel it the most not uh, Chappies uh, not yeah. Smitzwinkel he mm. said it, it, it was on Seiko Borsi where he felt that uh, mm. okay gravel bike might, might not have been the best call to do uh, to do the venting but the, having said that though how amazing is it to look around I mean you're, you're a man that owns a cycling shop uh, what I always find fascinating when you're on the route as a cyclist is mm. I, I try and take in what other people are on whether it's bicycles I'm always fascinated at who's riding what because it's the only thing you can really see when your head's down uh, and you're battling the wind you can see the equipment of the people around you the kind of a cycling tops they're in who they're riding for uh, what corporates uh, gear they're wearing um, you can see husband and wife combinations uh, <laughs> who are also in the same kit they're in the same clothes you can see they're riding it together or dad and daughter or dad and son Absolutely. or mom and son whatever the combination in the family is mm. that is for me one of the most fascinating parts of it is cycling in those groups and getting to see those people because uh, often you go too quickly past people on the side of the road to take much notice as to what they're doing. Um, you know, whether they've got a massive sign that says whatever or they're brying or, 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 or scortling on the side of the road. Um, you kind of look around you in the pack along the route yeah. a lot when you're doing the Cape Town cycle. I quite enjoyed it. I don't know when they added they've got names on the back of the numbers now. Oh, nice. Which, which hasn't always been there. Yeah. So you can actually call, call people somebody. up by name, which yeah. is great. And then do I watch... Yeah, nice. uh, do they still shout? Do they still shout like, hold your line? Yeah. Uh, you know, there was nobody was overtaking always. last weekend. Where I was, but, and then... You, I look at the numbers, the number of times somebody's done a tour. Oh, and, yes, And yes, what was quite side. interesting is, uh, obviously, I spot the 20s because I'm in the 20s. Yes. Mm-hmm. But uh, there were a lot of people that it was their first tour that, I, that I was number riding around. Yeah, or, or nuns. You know, one means you finished last year. Yeah. So if there's no number, it means it was your first year. Wow. And there were quite a lot of those that I passed. Well done to everyone. Let's talk recovery quickly. We've got uh, we've had a couple of days since a big event, and for everyone cycling around the country, if you're going to do 100 plus kilometers on your bicycle, and you've never maybe you've trained and you've put in a 70 or 80, 100 is quite different. You kind of break that the the, the three figure mark, and uh, normally the the normal thing is wake up Monday morning <laughs> and Aina. Uh, first of all, Jason, did you did mm. you have Aina's on Monday? And then second of all, uh, Doctor Green, let's talk a little bit about what what cyclists can do uh, this week in terms of recovery. So, Jason, uh, tell us a little bit about the ailments. So, on Monday, I blame the grogginess from the cycle of life after party that was on the <laughs> Sunday night. But on Tuesday, I, my heart rate was still going up, just walking up some stairs. So, you know, wow. you definitely get a bit of fatigue that sets in <laughs> yeah, when you do that, a little bit happens. more than normal. Yeah, yeah so the, the heart muscle itself, in terms of, of conditioning, sometimes needs also, like any muscle, like yes. your bicep, needs a recovery period sure. as well. If you've, if you've really uh, demanded from it. Yeah. But uh, also along with that also comes things like uh, people training on a little chest infection, a little sniggle, a cold. Okay. 
uh, and the dangers that poses, and then obviously medication. So, some people really overdo the uh, the the energy supplements. Uh, so yeah. they have gorine, uh, I mean guarana, taurine, yeah. caffeine, and sure. so forth, and that and that p- puts it up. And then the sinus medication is another big one that gives wow. you falsely elevated heart rates. Sinus medication specifically contains a substance called pseudoephedrine, which dries up the sinuses when you have a bit of a post nasal mm-hmm. drip. Okay. Fantastic for for uh, effect, but not great to raise your basic your your metabolic heart rate understand and uh, in Jason's case he probably just has a hot wife or something you know yeah that pushed his, his heart rate like honey you, <laughs> you're putting my heart rate to the 120 <laughs> no you, you haunted me twice once when I took a, a goo I was like oh shouldn't be doing this and then when I, every time I took a sip I was like I wonder where my sweat rate is oh you, you're thinking about it she's sweating um, so, so what did people do doc this week let's talk a little bit about recovery uh, would you advise people obviously people um, the, 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 the fitter the individuals that look at the 100k and go well we do this every weekend they mm. would know and feel their body and be able to hop on a bike again soon a day or two off and yeah. on again but for majority of the people that cycled this past weekend what did they do to, to kind of feel better this week yeah so I think first things first you need to get blood flow into the muscles and you need to get rid of lactic acid. And that means not being sedentary and not sitting with the pain and the stiffness and just chilling until the pain leaves you spontaneously. So you need to get moving. You need to obviously uh, get the blood pumping specifically in the calf muscles and the quads, the big muscle groups and your buttocks. So that would mean walking, getting onto a treadmill, doing doing some walking initially first, like a a proper slow warm-up. And then that process of moving lactic acid out of the muscles can only happen, obviously, if you progressively increase the load. Right. So don't go from naught to a, you know, naught to a hundred at a at a four kilometer an hour pace. Yeah. So uh, definitely increase that uh, in terms of your work rate and then warmth. So hot packs. Nice. Increase blood supply to those areas. Fantastic. The first time people always ask me is, should I be using ice or a hot water bottle? The first day in terms of decreasing the muscle. Uh, uh, perfusion or blood supply is important because if you've torn any muscles mm. you want to decrease the amount of bleeding into that space so you constrict the blood vessels with ice but after the 48 hours heat packs are definitely the way to go nice and um, what is it when people swell you get like inflamed like what, yes from that? pooling so like yeah. you like when you fly to Johannesburg and right. you're sitting uh, with the altitude change and so forth you get pooling of the venous blood in your legs that means the valves that are that actually uh, you know pump the blood back up and as they close, they milk the blood back up mm-hmm. to your heart, the, the, the oxygen-deprived blood in the venous system. So that obviously is also important. You've been sitting on a bike for well, some people six hours, some people two and a half hours, <laughs> uh, and uh, you get pooling in the legs. And then you'll see, obviously, that shift. The big reason for swelling after big events like this is more the compartment of how much water to retain and how much to release. And because the body is a bit confused, it's not used to doing 110 kilometers in one day. It's a little bit unsure. unsure. How much salt must I hold on to? And with that comes the water or how much must I actually secrete? And you'll find often you'll get a stage where there is a bit of swelling and then you'll start just urinating like crazy to normalize again once the body acclimatizes and reaches homeostasis. Sure. Uh, all right. So now, done, dusted. Cape Town Cycle Tour. Yeah. Uh, the uh, in terms Point of number next. Yeah, next one's epic. And uh, the man that's responsible, uh, he's the, uh, uh, the the director of uh, of all things uh, medical for this coming uh, again for this coming uh, Absa Cape Epic is is Doctor Green. So, uh, Doc, massive preparation. You've just left one event and a totally yet related but totally different kind of a prep heading towards the mountains of the Western Cape this weekend. Absolutely. Very different. An yeah. event that brings with it so many 
surprises uh, and unpredictable things. I mean, mm. the world's best are here. We've got we've got the elite athletes, top ten in the world. All the ladies, men's, they're all here, and they come out every year because they mm. love the challenge of this of this event. Mm. Creative in terms of the the route design and some of the the routes this year as well. And we're moving where it's changed predominantly from the first two years as we're hitting the Stellenbosch Valley, which is going to be quite special. You know, the wind stands oh. still in Stellenbosch most yeah. of the time, uh, and uh, with the the temperatures that saw at this time of the year to 40 uh, we've got our work cut out for us there um, also I think on stage 5 there's an area that's protected conservation wise where yeah. the guys have to portage is obviously part of that mm. um, where the guys are going to have to uh, carry uh, and obviously that brings with it also challenges on the feet in your cleats yeah. it's not, they're not running shoes they're very different and they give you different health problems but from our, from our side obviously the operation is exciting because we're dealing with people that are serious about sport. Sure. These people have all trained. They know that it takes at a minimum of, of six to eight hours uh, a week on the bike, and most of them have done that. Uh, there's some that have done it before and then think they could get away with it a little bit earlier. And if they've done it three or four times, they think they're immune health-wise to ever, ever develop <laughs> challenges, which mm. is not the case. So uh, we, we, we work very hard at, at keeping guys informed about what to look for to know when your system is telling you enough, to, uh, enough is enough and to look after yourself. Sure. You know, we've got to protect you to get you back on your bike for the next one and yeah. your family can see you. Yeah. So uh, tough when the guys are paying the you know, entry fees that sure. are quite, quite big yeah. to enter a race like this. Yeah. They, they it's really the world's difficult. best. Yeah. This, this is it. This is Absolutely. the creme de la creme of the mountain biking Absolutely. events in the world. This is it, folks. Uh, if you aspire to do anything in terms of complete uh, any event in your life, uh, this is a bucket list item for so many people around the world. There are people Indeed. and stories that we've all heard from people that have been dying from various parts of the world to get into this event where they just can't. Yeah. It's just simply full. Uh, and they try every year. And you and I were at the same event when we had the, I think we were all there uh, at, the, at the last launch event, the route launch event. It was a smart formal dinner. And there was a great, beautiful story of, of, of somebody who'd been trying forever to get in wow. and finally they'd got their dream come true mm. um, and for them it was like it was just on the top of their bucket list item and they've been trying I think for 10 years to get in to, yeah. to do it yeah, and, and it's not a matter of not having the funds they just couldn't get in yeah. it was just full every single year limited space so so this is it and everyone comes down here and I've just been intrigued and I've been thinking about this you've obviously know the route and you've got to know the route because you've got to yeah. be at any given time be able to get to a rider uh, that's down anywhere along the route now logistically speaking and we talk about the logistics behind an event like this from a medical point of view and I think this is quite important for a cyclist to kind of think about because when you, when you go and ride sometimes you don't really you're not sure I mean you and I go on, on our mountain bikes we're out in the middle of nowhere a good portion of the time and I, I don't know if it's ever crossed your mind Jason but certainly mm. mine when I'm in the middle of nowhere with obviously a mobile phone because you by, by the way never cycle without a mobile phone uh, if you're going to go mountain biking because you don't know what's going to happen prepare for the unexpected and that's take a, a cell phone with you have you ever stopped and thought if uh, something happens to me now Right now, uh, how is somebody going to get you to come fetch you? You're alone, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I try not ride alone for yeah. that reason, sure, and and, uh, and always have somebody there so that mm. if anything happens, there's somebody else that can get you somewhere. But while you were talking, what came to mind is a lot of the mountain biking when you're in these these events, you don't actually know where you are. And I thought to myself, it's like being in a shallow pool swimming and suddenly you realize the water's only knee deep because the <laughs> courses are so difficult yeah. that you could just be 500 meters around a little hill. Yeah, yeah, true. But actually, you just think that you're in the middle of the desert somewhere. 
It's true. So on that note, you need to get anywhere. Yeah. How, how easy is it? I mean, you've obviously planned it out. You've got um, helicopters play a big role. There's, there's not just ground. It's ground. It's air. It's, it's all elements yeah. of a plan that goes together to Absolutely. make sure cyclists anywhere on the route can be, can be picked up. Yeah. So we have to look at the terrain and then we have yeah. to decide, do we need quad bikes? Do we need yeah. uh, two-wheeler modis? Do we need rec- uh, re- rescue vehicles in terms of four-by-fours for the terrain? Yeah. And in certain parts, I mean, we've had to take people off mountains and between vineyards and so forth where we have to access them. You must imagine what the tracking satellite system has to be like for an event like this. Yeah. It needs to be tested beforehand. We're dependent on and a very smooth system. So we can pinpoint where the emergency vehicles are, where yes. the cyclists are. We can obviously with the control center direct them exactly, you know, so many minutes that way, that way, et cetera. Uh, with the, the cars then geared for, for all that kind of thing as well. But uh, the bird's eye view is, is, is basically our bread and butter. But, yeah. if, but you need to look at access through farms. For example, you can't get through a farm gate because it's locked. Yeah. And you've got emergency vehicles standing at the gate, but, sure, but you, you haven't realized in. you haven't got the code. Yeah. Now what now, you know? Yeah. So things like that uh, have to be looked at long before the, for, uh, before the time. And then the staff can't just be the same as a paramedic that works on a normal ambulance. Yeah. They need to know safety features sure. of rescue in terrain like we, you know, that we're describing. And so to the, the intent uh, hospital staff. Mm also are dealing with uh, athletes that are multi-stage endurance athletes. It's sure. not like, it's not the same as the cycle tour, no. for example. Yeah. It's very different. Yes. The type of uh, issues we see are very different as mm. well. And On that um, note, what are the biggest, what are the biggest uh, niggles? So uh, the clinic runs every morning, basically. We're up at four uh, and we, we're ready for them at six o'clock with screening processes that center around hydration checks. So we weigh, we weigh the athletes to know what their weight was before and after a stage if they need to come in. We check their urine looking for signs of, uh, of blood and protein. Uh, uh, because when the muscle br- gets broken down, when yeah. you don't have enough energy and you, you're busy getting hyperthermia uh, and having what's called rhabdomyolysis, where you break down muscle for energy, it affects what comes through the urine and you sure. can see it. It becomes like Coke, Coca-Cola colored urine. <laughs> Uh, and then we, we know we're dealing with some kidney impairment and you often only have signs of kidney impairment when you've lost up to 40% of your renal function already. Wow. And that's when you're training, obviously, and the perfusion, in other words, the blood supply to the kidney is impaired because you're dehydrated. There's too little water component in the blood. So it's not flowing like it should to the kidneys. Kidneys then can't function like they should. The filters break down. And then there's a whole array of uh, electrolyte disturbances that happen. The biggest one is your potassium levels go up and that gives you heart rhythm problems. So when you do an ECG on a guy like that, you see all these and that's a medical emergency. Those guys get sent ASAP to a renal unit to either get dialysis and to get uh, and to get uh, obviously uh, rehydrated but the big ones obviously uh, rehydration uh, and then i the, the other ones are things like wound care okay. a lot of trauma from falls clavicles uh, clavicles shoulders shoulder dislocations elbows uh, forearm fractures wrist injuries etc angle uh, ankles uh, lots of ankle twists you know clicking out of the cleats on the downhill the technical terrain yeah uh, slipping and, and so forth as well. And then we have, obviously, uh, in the morning, the bum clinic that we discussed, yeah. which is essential to all the ladies and gents in terms of keeping them on the bike because mm. it's terrible to have to stop a race because you actually can't, can't spend time yeah. in the saddle. Uh, and then uh, I've mentioned the hypothermia just, mm. just briefly. So in the conditions that are really hot, you can imagine cont- controlling body temperature 
which mm. is a core thing uh, that happens at your brain stem and the receptors in your body are amazing in responding to sweating to cool yourself down etc sometimes those mechanisms can become exhausted in which case your core temperature rises and when it gets above 38.5 it's heat illness and above 40.5 just as we see in little children that yes. have fever you get what's called heat stroke no, and then the then the poor rider sure. gets confused he has muscle cramps and twitches and sure. so forth and then they collapse and have they could even go into cardiac arrest wow um if you are listening to this and you're heading out towards the weekend welcome to cape town and welcome to the absa cape epic we wish you everything of the best jason and i will find ourselves at uct's sports fields on sunday uh in VIP hospitality, thanks to our friends at the Absa Cape Epic. Uh, we'll be sitting watching um, the uh, uh, the guys go out, some of the top contenders go out and come back in again. We'll be sitting at a nice vantage point, looking, pondering, <laughs> drinking a cup of coffee, eating a croissant. Well, I'll be bouncing between that and in the pits of the workshop because we're the neutral support for Cape Epic. You so are kidding me. Well, you're doing more I'll, work I'll than I am. I'll dust my face off before I get to the hospitality. I, I will be nice. with a, a, never mind dust my face, I will have a mouthful of croissant when you see me on Sunday. <laughs> Uh, all the best to everyone. Uh, weather-wise, we're looking uh, great this weekend around the country. A little bit of uh, uh, th- showers up in Gauteng uh, uh, in Durban, exactly the same. Just uh, on and off with a little bit of rain. Cape Town clear. Uh, looks great this weekend. All the best, like I said, over the next week or so uh, to all the riders of the Absa Cape Epic. Doc Green, always lovely having you. We're going to have you back on the on the podcast real soon again. Great After pleasure. all this is out the way, we start talking things like uh, preparation of our sports sides to things like um, World Cups. We've got a Cricket World Cup coming up and a Rugby World Cup. And of course, cycling and cycling, maybe not on the road, but on a wonderful device called a Watt bike is what we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks or any kind of device that uh, enables you to cycle indoors. Hmm. Jason and I are going to cover that as we approach the winter months on this podcast series. So time in the saddle, Doc Green from MediClinic. MediClinic, you just thanks again to all uh, the personnel that work tirelessly um, out on the on the courses to make our, our show our events run uh, as smoothly as they do. I think you guys did a superb job once again this past weekend and I I wish you all the best for this coming uh, Thanks uh, epic. So much. Thanks, uh, Darren. And thanks, Jason. What are your plans for the weekend besides that? No, that's it. Uh, also, epic focus for us. We actually set up the first workshop today for the internationals that start arriving. So that's the focus over the next week. And then chaperoning a few day trippers on e-bikes on the course with, with the epic guys. So yeah. it'll be a busy, fun week. I'm very busy with Land Rover, uh, just on that note as well. I've been invited to uh, join them out at, uh, for a couple of events next week, including riding the course, which I said, no thanks, I'd like to drive, uh, it. I'd like to drive <laughs> it. I'd like to drive it indeed. So I'll be driving the course next week in a beautifully ca- a luxurious Land Rover while, uh, while some folks will be cycling it. Anyway, we'll have more time in the saddle in the next podcast as we chat all things cycling. Subscribe now at livepodcast.fm. Rate and review it on your favorite podcast app to get your time in the saddle. Livepodcast.fm. Subscribing to a live podcast is free.